What's up, podcast? Welcome to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. I'm Josh Nichols, and on today's episode, we have a very special guest named John Sherman. If you are any part of golf Twitter, then you have most likely seen Practical Golf as a regular contributor to the conversation over on Golf Twitter. Uh, the mind behind that Twitter account, the website practical-golf.com or practical-golf.com is John Sherman. He likes to say that he's just a golfer, but he's a super smart guy that has a lot of experience. Um, he puts out a lot of great materials, a lot of value, a lot of uh, just really good stuff that people can read. Um, and as you know, with this podcast, we usually cover a wide range of things that relate to the mental game of golf. Today, we talk a lot about expectation management and how that permeates into every part of the game and how getting expectation management right, how properly managing your expectations can truly not just help you shoot better scores, but like make you a happier person. So uh, listen to this for everything, but really get the value from how do I manage my expectations better and what will that do to my golf game? All right, I hope you enjoy. I feel like you will. Let's get into it. Maybe you could just start, like, I know you and I kind of know your story um, a little. Like, I don't know details. So depending on how detailed you want to get, like, maybe some background on you, like, what led you to where you are and what you do now. Sure. Um, so my name's John Sherman. I'm the uh, owner of Practical Golf. Um, I guess the simple story is I started the site back in 2015, um, mainly because I, I just wasn't satisfied with a lot of the game improvement information available to golfers. I thought it focused too much on the mechanics of the golf swing. And my main contention was that other parts of the game that I knew were important as a player, such as strategy, um, the mental game, practicing effectively, expectation management, uh, those type of topics were kind of ignored. And you, know, you can call that coaching versus instruction is, is really what deals with the technical elements of the golf swing. So I just looked around and I, I really didn't see much coaching. And I'm like, I'm just going to start writing articles from a golfer's perspective. That That's really my angle. I'm not a swing instructor. I'm, I'm, I'm a golfer. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to communicate to people from that perspective. And I think that angle or that voice uh, helped me be a little more relatable to people who read the site. And, you know, almost six years later, um, you know, it's, it's turned into – you know, a, a popular resource, uh, luckily. And, you know, people I think can come to me and learn how to organize their golf game and get pointed in the right direction because that's what I think good coaching is, is I'm not going to do it for you, but um, I can just point you in the right direction on, on a few topics and then it'll hopefully make your your process of enjoying the game and improving more uh, more efficient. So I think that's, that's what I'm trying to do in a nutshell. Right, so I without like diving too deep and maybe this is a compliment to you you i don't know you take this how you want but i it's hard to tell from an outside perspective of what like are you are you selling yourself as a coach are you selling your website as a resource like like what are you i, I mean is that all you do first of all i mean is it uh yeah i mean luckily it, it is my business now yeah. um I, I have figured out a way how to make um, a website, a content website, my business, which isn't easy, but you know, that was one of the problems I had to solve along the way. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not really selling myself as a coach, so to speak. It's not John Sherman golf. I never really wanted it to be about me, although I'm, mm -hmm. I'm really doing 99% of the content on there. Uh, that, mm -hmm. uh, but I guess I just want to, I just want to create a place where people can come for information and get value with what I present them on whatever topic it is. Uh, you know, I don't think I did a great job of that in the beginning and I, I think I'm getting better at it and I'd still like to get better at it. But, um, 
it, it's not necessarily me selling myself as a coach. It's just, I just view it as a, as a, as a resource and I'm, I'm hoping to get more people involved other than myself where you can just go to practical golf and know you're going to get the honest story on how to get better at this game. Um, because unfortunately, as we know, the golf business is a big business and you know, there's a lot of people who want to make money off of golfers. Some of them are honest and actually are looking to provide value. And then there's some people who I don't think they really care if you get better or not. They just want to make some money. Um, so I always started with, you know, I just want to give people value. And I think if you can solve that problem and get people to stick around, then, you know, hopefully you've got something. So I think that's, you know, I'm not necessarily trying to sell myself as a coach, uh, so to speak. Right. And I, and I guess I mean it as a compliment because it, you come off as zero salesy whatsoever. It's like, <laughs> here's, here's information. Here's myself as a golfer and take what you want, enjoy it, learn from it and then go play golf. Like don't, yeah, it, it I mean it totally complimentary. Thank you. That's, I appreciate you saying yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want, um, again, I'm not perfect at it, but I'm not trying to play some angles here or anything like that. Um, I A lot of the information I put out there is mistakes I make myself. Mm -hmm. um, so I also want to stress that I'm not a perfect golfer. I'm not someone that goes out there and doesn't make any mistakes. A lot of the stuff you're seeing on the site are, are mistakes I'm either made in the past or are currently making um, or mistakes I noticed from other golfers. So that's what I'm trying to be relatable with because I, I think we all know how hard this game can be and, and how much of a struggle it can be, unfortunately, sometimes. And I'm trying to flip that script to make sure that you have reasonable expectations and you can enjoy yourself. Um, so that's also another big problem I'm trying to solve. Right. Yeah. And I, when I asked you what kind of big topics do you like about the mental game, you said, expectation management was a huge one um like one of the two and grit and resiliency being the other so um maybe that like pre uh like thinking going into a tournament or thinking going into practice and then also the practice itself and the the like difficulty and the work ethic so what do you mean by expectation management just straight up it, it, it means a lot of things. I think that's probably, I view that as my number one job on the site. Um, I try and answer that question or address that topic through tons of different articles. And I mean, in a nutshell, I believe golfers don't have or were never really taught what are reasonable outcomes for their skill level on the golf course. I think, you know, most of our expectations are skewed out there on being that we're too hard on ourselves. And a lot of that has to do with watching pro golf. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest problems is that, you know, every week we're watching the best golfers in the world. And then we're watching the best players out of that group of golfers who are playing the best at the moment. And we're seeing most of their great shots. So a lot of us watch that and it, and it, it like creates this habit in our brains where we're used to seeing how easy the game can look when someone's playing it at the highest level and very well at that moment. Um, and we're like, oh yeah, that seems simple. And then you go out there and of course <laughs> the, the, the similar outcomes don't happen. So I think expectation management is you have to understand what are reasonable outcomes for your skill level and your time commitment in this game. You know, some people don't have a lot of time to play and I often tell them, you know, it might not be a good idea to even keep score. Just go out there and have fun with your friends, enjoy being outside, hit a few shots. Um, Expectation management can be on the shot level. Um, oftentimes, I'll point to proximity numbers on the PGA Tour. The one I always bring up in conversations like this are the proximity to the hole from 100 to 125 yards in the fairway. I think the best on the tour every year is about 15 feet. Middle of the pack is about 25 feet. So understanding stuff like that, like, you know, when someone hits a shot like that on the course and they have a sand wedge or a pitching wedge in their hand and they're 20 feet away on the green, they're like, oh my God, I couldn't hit it at the pin. And you're like, well, you actually just hit a PGA Tour quality shot there. Right. Um, so that that's another element of expectation management is understanding when you hit a shot on the course, how can you frame it after the fact 
you know, you might have wanted all this spectacular result, but golf really isn't that. Golf is more about, you know, becoming better is really limiting the really bad results and, and dealing with, you know, just mainly keeping the ball in front of you and, and avoiding those blow up holes. Um, and I know that's not interesting or exciting to a lot of people, but that that's, I'm trying to reshape people's expectations on what it means to get better at this game. Um, so there's a number of ways to address that. Mm-hmm. And I could go on forever about expectation management. I think it's, if you can't get that part of the game, right, you're definitely not going to have fun and you're definitely not going to improve. Mm-hmm. So it's incredibly important. Right. So it, is it the improvement part of expectation management? Is it simply like you'll probably shoot better scores if you, so the like Scott Fawcett decade mentality of 20 feet is good from mm-hmm. hundred to 125 yards. So adjust your target um, to reflect that. And therefore, yeah. you'll probably make fewer bogeys, doubles, and that's the improvement part. Is that what you're talking about? It could be with your strategy. It could be with your overall mental state for the day. Um, I think it kind of segues into the other thing I mentioned, which is grit and resiliency. If you do have unhealthy expectations, and let's say in the beginning of the round, you know, you hit a few errant tee shots, you miss a few greens, um, maybe a chunk to chip you'll get yourself if if you didn't understand that like hey that's part of golf that's part of my skill level at this point you could get yourself into such a negative mental state that for the rest of the round um you're unable to stay focused stay positive whatever that looks like for your game and the rest of the day is kind of a loss so um that's why i think the fundamental of expectation management, getting that right, it bleeds into all different parts of the game, strategy, practicing, how much should I practice, how much should I not practice. Um, it, it, it's connected to everything, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, so that's why I talk about it so much, because it relates to like literally every topic in golf. If you are out there with this mindset that you are going to play like a scratch golfer, uh, but you might be a 15 or 20 handicap at the moment, um, things aren't going to go well for you. And your scores will reflect that. You know, uh, you, your, your scores are just a, a lagging measure of, of your habits on the course. And, you know, that, that is all connected in this game. And it is com- incredibly complex. We, we certainly couldn't address all of those issues in one conversation. But I think you know, that's, that's, that's how I see it connecting to all different parts of the game. Right. Yeah. Manage your expectations. And then when things ultimately don't go right, because it's golf, things never go perfectly. Yeah. Have that resiliency to be able to handle the difficulties, right? It's both. sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I play a lot of um, competitive amateur events and like this year in particular, I've just had some really bad starts to a lot of the tournaments mm-hmm. I've played it. I just haven't started well. Um, you know, a few tournaments, I think I was maybe like three or four over after six holes. And these are one day qualifiers where I know I have to shoot mm-hmm. around par or just above it. Um, and that's tough. And it, it's just part of playing that type of competitive golf. But to get back to the resiliency point, I think what I'm better at now than I was maybe five or 10 years ago is that if I do get off to that bad start, I understand like that's just part of the deal. There's certain rounds where you're not going to get off to a great start. And I just commit to, you know, going through my routine, keeping my emotions under check, picking smart targets. And in most of those rounds, I've, I've been able to, you know, kind of save things and, and at least give myself a chance later in the round to make it. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't this year, but I told myself, you're not going to give up uh, and you just want to give yourself a chance. And I did fight back a lot of those rounds. I was under par for the rest of the round or even close to it. So, um, that's and that's really hard to do. And some days I just don't do it that well. Um, but when we talk about resiliency and grit, that has to be part of your skill set at any level. And it's not like you have to be out there taking it so seriously. But if you do want to get better at this game, you do have to understand the ebbs and the flows of your golf game, whether it be during a round or over a period of weeks and months. That you know it comes and it goes. And and when it does go that's that's the time when you really have to dig in so to speak um 
I think that's one of the keys to getting better. It's making your bad days not as bad, if that makes sense. Uh, I think that's been one of the keys in my game is that, you know, I can turn a poor ball striking day into a decent score because I'm accessing this toolbox of like expectation management, grit, you know, my, my mental state, my strategy, I'm pulling on all these things when, when things are going badly for me on the course to stay with it. And that's how I can turn, you know, for me, it used to be if a day like that didn't go well, maybe I'd shoot like an 82 or an 83. Now I can turn that into a 76 or a 77. Um, that's how I got to a higher level of golf. And that is relative to each portion of the game. You could turn 105 into a 97. Um, I think there's bigger strides to make, you know, as your handicap gets higher in terms of absolute strokes. So, um, yeah, it's an incredibly important topic and I don't think it's talked about enough because it's not as interesting as, you know, how to hit your driver as far. And I do talk about stuff like that as well, but, um, you can't get better at this game unless you're willing to, you know, dig your heels in and, and fight a little bit, which I enjoy. I, I love the fight of mm. keeping around going. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's an incredibly important topic. Right. So I want to get in maybe towards the end about how to balance mental and physical parts of the game mm-hmm. and why they're both important or which one is more. But I want to like bring as much value to people as possible. I've got some questions. Sure. Um, I've got several. If you don't mind, just like rapid fire going through them. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll, go ahead. We'll knock them off. Uh, okay. So the first one is how do you simulate tournament pressure and get purposeful mental practice on the range? Um, I think the the best thing you can do to simulate any, I mean, a normal round of golf can be a tremendous amount of pressure for some people. That's another topic where it's relative. Like some people will never play competitive rounds and they, and they probably shouldn't. And some people do want to go down that route. Um, but either way, you're, you're going to experience pressure on the golf course, whether it's towards the end of the round when you know you're going to be possibly shooting a score that you'd be very happy with and you're starting to feel this pressure down the stretch. Um, I think there's a couple of ways you can address that in your practice. I mean, the first would be playing performance skill games. I think these are getting more and more popular. A lot of golf coaches are making these resources available when you're not just showing up to the range and beating balls mindlessly, just hitting your driver over and over again. Um, there's a ton of golf coaches who are making performance games. There's books available so that, you know, you can show up to the range or the short game facility and maybe go through a little bit of practice working on the technical elements of your golf swing. And then you can play a game with yourself. Um, like a fun one for your short game is called par 18. I know a lot of collegiate and pro golfers play that. Um, you're just trying to get up and down nine times for different quote unquote holes around the practice screen. And you want to try and keep, you know, you keep your score and you keep trying to beat it. And, and that, that adding numbers and a little bit of pressure on yourself, you know, as you get further and further into the game, you're like, Oh, you know, I might be able to beat my score from the last time. So that, that can help simulate a, a little bit more pressure. I don't think you can create the same exact pressure, but I think performance games are a great way to do it. The other way I would suggest is, and of course, if your golf course is available to do this because you'll need to be by yourself with a little bit of room behind you. Um, I love practicing on the golf course. I love bringing a few balls out there when I'm just, you know, maybe hitting a couple of tee shots or throwing a few balls around the green in the bunker. I think getting that, getting that live practice being on the course, it's a, it's a closer reference point for your brain. So that that's another form of practice that I, I don't, you know, not everyone can do it. I understand it. And this year in particular, because golf courses are more packed than ever. So busy. Yeah. So busy. Um, so I think that's another way to do it. But I think the number one solution would be to do some type of performance game. And I think, you know, there's a lot of resources out there now for that. It just, it makes it more fun. It's challenging. It gets you more engaged rather than just showing up and going through the motions. Hmm. Yeah. And I, to that point of performance games, I think what's important for players to do is, break down the value of each facet of the game that you use on the course of like Mm -hmm. driving is this much and short game is this much bunker is this much putting is this much. And within those each category you do 
block practice, which is technical. You do some random practice of going through your full routine, you know, picking different targets on the range, different clubs, never hitting the same shot in a row. And also doing some kind of measured practice where um, maybe you hit, like you were saying, par, par nine or par 18, where you, you give yourself 18 random lies around the chipping green and see how many times you can get up and down. So um, breaking it up, like you said, not just showing up and beating balls. Uh, so that's like giving yourself variety, I think is probably the best first start. Um, and, and then going from there. Um, yeah, I, I, there's so many ways to simulate, not simulate pressure, but get closer to it. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I think the biggest benefit is that you'll, you'll probably, if you're someone who doesn't enjoy practicing that much, you, you might enjoy it more if you, if you do stuff like that. So, um, you want to give each shot meaning. I think that's like a very, right top level generic piece of advice that every mental coach has ever said is that, you know, every shot, I think that the title of the book was every shot has a purpose. Um, right. yeah. one of the great ones, but if you could do that, um, through games, giving each shot practice, like even for me, like I have a, I have a, one of those sky track simulators at home and just playing world golf tour, on SkyTrack, where I actually have a score and I'm trying to hit different shots, it it makes me go through my pre-shot routine and focus on what I'm doing. You know, it's in it's in my house and I don't see where the ball is going, but it's kind of like a video game, and that that gives me um, a little bit more pressure than if I was just hitting a seven iron over and over again. Mm-hmm. I know I can hit it well because you know there's not there's nothing at stake. There's no there's no result that could give me you know a bad feeling because i'm just hitting the ball and seeing where it goes um so there's not much pressure there so yeah i think those are all reasonable ideas to to add that a little bit of pressure to your practice yeah okay second one uh that was good that i think a lot of people can get actual value from that um second one would be what's the best way to get out of a rut mid-tournament round so that kind of goes back to your grit resiliency thing a little bit yeah i think I think you do, you have to understand, like, I would call it maybe the distribution of your performance, um, whatever you want to call it. You can look at like a bell curve, something like that. But just understanding that, you know, golf is mostly a skill-based game. And as we know, the golf swing is incredibly complex. A lot of things need to go right with all the different parts of your body that are coordinating to make that little white ball go where you want it. And there are just some days where you show up and your body just is not feeling right. Um, it's just not as easy on certain days. And I've certainly gone through ruts myself uh, for a number of reasons. And I think the best thing you could do, and this is very generic, bland advice, but it does work, is really committing to going through your routine and sticking to the script, so to speak. I think when most players feel like they don't have it, they probably get way too aggressive with their strategy. Um, they get a very haphazard with how they approach their shots. Perhaps they just walk up to the ball and start hitting it. Um, the way they're walking around the course, all these things start changing. And that's totally normal. I mean, that happens at the pro level. You can see it when, when certain players are really under pressure and in majors, you can see their demeanor changing. And all of a sudden, like, you, you could put a timer on their routine most of the time, but now it's maybe seven seconds short or something like that. Um, so I think the best thing anyone could do is develop a process, a pre-shot routine, where you're evaluating your target and then going through some type of routine before you execute your shot. Um, having some type of strategic framework on how you're going to choose your targets, whether that's off the tee or with approach shots and kind of a mental toolbox of, okay, when things don't go wrong, we're not going to lose our temper, just committing to that, um, or just committing to staying in the moment, maybe doing some deep breathing helps tremendously. I've done that myself. Um, so when things aren't going right, I think just saying that no matter what, I'm going to go through my pre-shot routine, I'm going to choose smart targets, and I'm going to execute and live with the results one way or the other. 
easier said than done. Very simple advice, but I could tell you there are the best coaches in the world telling that to players before they tee off in the final round of the Masters or a huge junior tournament, whatever. It, it's something that every golfer needs to be reminded of. And I don't want it to sound so serious because, you know, there's a lot of club golfers out there that are just playing for $5 NASA on the weekend. And you don't need to be that serious about it. But um, I do think you'll have a, a more pleasant relationship with the game if you can commit to those things and stick to them on your own level. You know, it doesn't have to be as intense as what a professional golfer does because there's a lot more at stake for them. It's their jobs. It's their livelihood. Um, so finding some version of what I said and applying it to your own game can really make a difference on your scoring and your enjoyment level, especially when you feel like you don't have it that day. Yeah. Yeah. Always, always going back to the same truth that you, that you set for yourself. Like it, it's the same as in any chaotic moment when it's impossible to see, like it's impossible to be logical and emotions are taking over just reminding yourself of the truth and like, these are the, this is the process I need to go through and, and never wavering like, and then on the good ones doing the same thing. It's easy on the good ones when things are going good, you're too, you know, so it's sticking to it no matter what. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's a, for better or worse in golf, just like a lot of other things in life. Yeah. Uh, that I mean, that's why I think it's just such a wonderful game because if you can learn these things in golf, you can certainly apply them to the rest of your life. And I know I've done that myself. Um, and I always want to stress with people that it's not all or nothing. I always talk about incremental progress. So, you know, if you were someone who really had a hard time controlling your emotions to begin with, you know, if you can get 30% better at it, like that could be real progress for you. And you're, and you're slowly getting used to it because, you know, one thing with, when we talk about the mental side of the game or strategy, all these things, like it sounds incredibly simple, but when you actually try and put it into practice during the heat, the heat of battle, so to speak and around, it's much harder to do that. So I would, and this gets back to expectation management is that the, you do want to get better at these things is that it doesn't have to be all or nothing in the beginning. Um, I know a lot of, coaches who work with tour players and like they try and have them keep a mental scorecard and they're making in their terms, they still make tons of mental mistakes. So they're not perfect at it either. So um, I think understanding that everyone's progress is different and sticking to that incremental progress would be just, you know, building small steps um, over time. That would be one of my pieces of advice on anything we're talking about is it's not all or nothing. Right. And, and when you're in a rut, be okay that it's not going perfect. Like just simply being okay with failure and, and knowing golf is an imperfect game full of imperfect shots. And also it might seem like everyone else is playing perfect, but they're also struggling in their own way. They might be struggling less than you today, but you know, that's, it's all expectation management. Really. That's, that's probably the biggest thing in golf. You know, it applies to everything. I, I just view it as the older I get, I'm, I'm getting closer to 40 now. And the longer I'm on this earth, I just, I, I view expectation management as really the, everyone talks about how to be happy as a human being. And I, I, I think it's mostly about that, not to get too philosophical in this conversation. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think, um, in my life outside of golf or in golf, um, you know, getting better at what I expect from myself and other people, um, maybe not being so hard on myself and expecting too much of others and, and, and having that understanding. Um, I really think that's one of the secrets to being a more fulfilled, happier person. Um, and again, golf and, and life are closely intertwined. So yeah, I think it's all, that's why when I really started this site, that was really the, the main topic I wanted to discuss and still want to discuss because that's like the, the secret sauce, the not so secret sauce, maybe mm. you could call it. Mm. Um, but it, it just, it, it, it connects to everything. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That was, that was some long, but really, really good answers from. Yeah. We're getting, we're getting that. deep there. That's excellent. <laughs> I love it. That's all I want to do. So, all right, we'll go to the third one. Um, Okay, sometimes my ball striking is good and my putting is bad. 
the next day my putting is good, but my ball striking is bad. Help me out. <laughs> so that's one <what laughs> well, of my first, close friends. Yeah. Asked that. Yeah. The, the first, the first answer I would give is like, well, let's, let's define good and bad. First mm-hmm. of all. Um, and I think measuring your statistics, um, not necessarily the traditional ones like fairways or putts per round. I think those are becoming widely known as not the greatest indicators of success. Like if you can get yourself a shot tracking system like Arcos or ShotScope or one of these, and you start you start seeing your performance relative to other golfers at your level, um, then you could start saying to yourself, "Well, I actually did have a bad ball striking day that day. What happened? Did I pick bad targets? Was my swing not there?" If you really want to be hard on yourself, you got to be analytical too. Um, so to your buddy who asked that question is that some days, yes, your ball striking might not be good for your skill level, but I would venture to say that a lot of the days it wasn't as bad as you thought. And that's something to understand. And, and I think everyone should go through some type of post round analysis is, you know, did I make mental mistakes? Maybe was I not focused enough before the shot? I was worrying about did I have the right club or the right target that could have been the reason for your poor ball striking outcome. Uh, it could be a technical error in your golf swing that needs to be addressed. Um, but to simply answer the question, like that's just golf. There's just a randomness to the game that from beginners to the best golfers in the world can't seem to wrap their head around it. Um, I've had days where like, I felt like I was the best golfer I could ever be. And then 24 hours later, just totally clueless. Um, like I've been on a stretch lace lately where I'm, I'm actually hitting the ball fairly well, but I'm not scoring well. And that's frustrating to me. I don't like that, but it is part of the game. I just can't get the ball. The ball doesn't want to go in the hole right now for me. And I don't, I, don't, I can't put my finger on it. It's just something that I'm going through. Um, so sometimes you have an answer for it. If you can go through and analyze what's going on. And sometimes it's just part of golf and figuring out which one or the other is kind of like the really difficult part. And I don't have a perfect answer for that because I don't mean to pick on Jordan Spieth because I'm a huge fan of his, but you know, you look at someone like him right now and like, they just can't figure it out. They cannot figure out what is going on with him. Is it his mind? Is it his swing? Um, he it looks like he doesn't know the answer. His coaches don't know the answer. Uh, and he's one of the most talented golfers to come along in generations. So, um, I, I hate to use him as, as a poster child for how difficult this game could be because, it, like I said, I am a huge fan of his, but sometimes you just don't know. <laughs> That's just part of like the mystery of the game. And, mm-hmm. and then, again, you just have to accept that. And and leads to so much more happiness. And that's really easy to say sitting on a Zoom call, like yeah, yeah. recording a podcast. It's not like when you're in the middle of a, like going back to the rut in the middle of a round, let alone a rut in the middle of a career, like that's, that's like can lead to really deep, dark points in your own soul. So, Oh yeah. Golf can bring you to some, if you let it, it can really bring you to some horrible places. And Mm. I'll be honest with all of you, like even in the last month I had probably one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. Um, Mm. We had our club championship. I won't go through the whole story, but I made a mistake in front of a lot of people that I've really never made before. Um, And it was very embarrassing to me, but you know, I got home and I played with my kids and I kind of try, I was just like, you know what? I did something stupid in front of a bunch of people. They <laughs> felt bad for me and it's okay. Um, I, I shook it off after a couple of days. I mean, the old me maybe 10 years ago would probably be stewing about it right now, but, um, that's, you know, every golfer can sympathize with the embarrassment, the lows, like the, the doldrums, whatever you want to call them. Um, it's, you know, again, you, 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 it could bring you to some dark places if you let it, but at some point you just have to say like, this is just a game, right? <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not doing this to, uh, I think I forget which tour player said it, but I thought it was really good advice is when you, when you start attaching like your self-worth to your scores, like that's a really bad idea. And a lot of golfers do that. Um, you have to kind of create a moat a mental moat between the two and just say that, you know what, I'll give it my best effort and the scores are what they are. Have you ever, do you read books? Um, I used to read, 
it's funny. The more I do my site, the less I read of right. other golf content sure. producers, whether it's authors. And I think that's probably my own way of trying to be original. Yeah, I don't necessarily right. want to, and that that's my own problem that, you know, oh. I don't discourage, I don't discourage other people from reading golf books. I've read a lot of great golf books in my life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of tremendous, um, like Bob Rotella's books. I always mm -hmm. enjoyed those. I think there's great lessons in those books. Um, but lately I, I'm, I, I think so long and hard about what I want to write on the site that I'm so like engrossed in that, that I, I, I actually don't read too much other stuff, which yeah. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, mm -hmm. but it is what it is. <laughs> I, uh, for originality's sake, I think it's great. Cause I, when you read other people, like you can learn and like you were talking, you're almost 40. I'm, I'm not even 30. So like all I know is what I've done on the golf course and yep. in my own life. I, I need to learn from other people in a lot of ways and I've got my own original thoughts and, but it's, it's like based on what really, but the reason I ask you, um, have you ever read the mental game of poker by Jared Tindler? No, but I often draw, I mean, I used to play a decent amount of poker back mm -hmm. when it was, you know, when poker first got huge, that's when I was in college in the early 2000s. And you know, I read a lot of books back then, but I, I, I draw a ton of connections to poker and golf all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, if you want to introduce some non-original ideas into your life, <laughs> that one's really good. But the reason I say that is because he talks a lot about the variance in poker and, mm -hmm. and he's a golfer and also coaches golfers. So he talks about, he relates it to golf and the variance in golf and, and just acceptance being a huge factor that, and like you said, analytics being a huge factor that of like, this is like, if my ball striking is bad and my putting's good, according to me and my, and the next day it's flip flops. Don't just stop there. Like realize why and, mm -hmm. and write it down and then forget it, accept it as regular, normal variants, and then go work on it. Once the tournament's over. I mean, it's, like that's the most logical way to look at it. Um, and I just, I like the way he talks about variance and analytics and logic and, and it's so easy to get emotional when it seems like things are going on a roller coaster. And so, yeah, if you want to read that book, you can, anyone listening should read that book. Um, unless you're a content producer for practical golf, then you, don't, <laughs> you don't have to. Read it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think, just a quick point on that is that, you know, mm. we can make the game personal when it's not, you know, golf nice. is just, uh, I mean, it's really just physics when you think about it. Mm. Um, and there's just things that happen on the course when a ball is flying through the air and mm. bouncing around a field. And sometimes those bounces feel personal and they're not, it's just gravity and a lot of other things that I forgot about since high school. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it's just, you have to accept that part of the game. Uh, and it's hard to do because again, it feels personal. You feel like someone's out to get you mm, and they're right. not, <laughs> there's yeah. no one out there. There's no golf gods. Uh, no, I think it's right. It's just, just what it, what it is. It's how we interpret it. Um, yep. okay. So we'll, we'll do one more question. Um, sure. so what do you think, what, what's the role? I'm, I'm going off my memory. I, I didn't write this one down. What's the role of parents? Because a lot of people I work with are junior golfers. I, I know my own role, like my parent parental role. So what's the role of a parent in supporting their young golfer? What do you think? Uh, I'll be careful with this one because sure. I am a parent. Um, I have a seven year old and a four year old. Neither of them are even remotely interested in golf. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm currently not the parent of a golfer. Um, and I actually had an interesting relationship with golf as a child. Like I just played every sport I could get my hands on as a kid. And my parents were supportive of that. But, you know, my, my dad or my mom didn't say like, oh, you're playing this, you're playing that. They were just like, well, what do you want to play? And I played it. And then one day I picked up a golf club. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of had a reverse relationship with golf where I taught my dad how to play when he was oh. in his 50s. Um, so I I'm not someone who... Uh, we're all shaped by our experiences. So I, I, I don't like to see, and again, I don't want to tell people how to parent their kids. This is just my opinion. Sure. Um, 
I love when kids arrive to the game on their own, or at least you give them the opportunity to play it. And if there's some enjoyment there, you foster that and support it. Um, I think golf is one of those games where if you really force it on someone, it's, it can be so complex and difficult to take up that, you know, you're, you're going to create a negative relationship that probably won't be sustained over that child's life um, down the road. So, I mean, with kids, I mean, I see a lot of great coaches at the junior level and, and mostly they're making it about fun. Um, they're not so concerned about what score you shoot, what you do, what you do. I mean, they're, they're doing performance games are excellent for kids because it's play. Um, so I think at that level, it's about, it's mostly about enjoyment and just creating like a positive relationship to the game. Um, you know, I don't, I, I, you know, you see the stories of the junior golfers at these tournaments. Now it's getting more and more competitive and that's okay if, you know, kids do want to get competitive, but you know, you hate to see like a kid get scolded for a poor score at a tournament. So I, I certainly couldn't support something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, if, if my daughter or son wants to take it up, I would just make it like this fun, exciting adventure for them. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if they want to get more serious about it, you know, we can do that. Yeah. Uh, but it's got to be about fun first or else you're never going to have any type of success in the game. Yeah. And I'll, I'll go back to mine. Um, my different perspective from when I was a kid and I thought my parents did it well. They really let me experience the game how I wanted to. And if it was, um, if it meant being there for 12 hours a day, then do it. If it meant maybe taking some days off or, and I wasn't feeling like it, then do that. And mm -hmm. I like, I like the way my, my mentor, uh, the guy I kind of worked, hand in hand with, with golfers, Robert Linville, he says the, the one thing a parent should ever say to their kid in relation to golf is I love watching you play. Yeah. Like, anything beyond that as, as far as like, I saw you doing this on the course. I think you need to change this. I think you need to act a little bit different. All of those. And I, I'm not a parent, so I can't speak to that. And I'm sure that's super difficult, but as far as, what would have helped me and what did help me was just simply my parents saying, are you enjoying this? Like, I love watching you and, and let's go get an ice cream after the round. Like it's not so like they should never be your coach. Right. I mean, unless your dad is like a head instructor or whatever, and he just really knows the game. And even that is debatable. But I guess long story short is the parents should simply support it as a fun activity. So completely to your point, I totally agree with you. Yeah, it's um, again, it, yeah, you don't want to. I, I try not to. Everyone has their own parenting philosophies, and right. you quickly figure find that out when you when you do become a parent. And it's certainly not the same as your even your closest friends or other family members. Um, so everyone has a different story as it comes to how they want to parent their children and with sports. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, striking that balance of fun, support, love, of course. And, you know, I, I, if my kids did take up the game, I'd want them to take some responsibility with, you know, the way they behave and all those type of things. So, I, you know, I would try and hold them accountable to certain things and how they play, but not necessarily, it wouldn't be about outcomes like score. It would be about a lot of the things we talked about in this conversation. You know, are you controlling your emotions? Are you, you know, trying to stay present. Um, you know, those are life skills that are important. So yeah, I mean, we could go on for that about ever, but they, you know, if, if my kids do take up golf, that's how I'd start them off in the game, but we're in no danger of that <laughs> right now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's maybe okay. Someday, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully we'll see. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, so do you have any kind of general topics like like general prescriptions, like if I, if I could tell, if I could sit every player down, this is what I would try to help them do. And that's what you do with your website. Um, but like maybe one, you know, final thought of, I think this is important for every golfer to do. 
and we've touched on those already, but yeah, I, I think if you want to talk about like something very specific that I think could lower people's scores, sure. um, I would say on, on your approach shots strategic wise, I think most golfers are inherently aggressive and they don't even know it. You know, they're aiming at pins and stuff like that. Um, I often give golfers the same piece of advice and it won't apply to everyone, but if you just walked up to all 18 holes and aimed at the center of every green, or if you had a GPS device on you and used the back yardage or even the center yardage and just had that basic framework of approach shots, um, I can pretty much guarantee a certain percentage of people listening to this would lower their handicap. Mm. Uh, there's just so many golfers who are never taught. You know, everyone just assumes the pins are target because the thing that's the thing sticking out of the ground. <laughs> Um, something as basic as that, I know it sounds ridiculously simple, mm -hmm. but, um, I can't tell you how many people have emailed me or messaged me and said, wow, I tried that back center green thing and my handicap dropped by five strokes. Like, thank you. I'm like, it's, I didn't come up with it. It's just basic, like knowledge of the game because, right. and the reason I say that is that, you know, most golfers don't hit it as far as they think they do. That's why I say the back of the green, I have a lot of data showing that. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you start aiming towards the side of the green where the pin is, well, now you're you're probably going to bring in a short side miss, which means that you're missing on the side where the pin is and you have a very difficult up and down, which could lead to a double bogey. So mainly what I'm trying to do with most golfers is I often say I'm fighting the war on double bogeys. And that's, that's really what, you know, going from a golfer who breaks 100 or 90 or even 80 is, is trying to do is limit those big numbers. So that's if you're going to take one thing from this conversation that's actionable – doesn't apply to every golfer, but for most of you, try doing that and see what happens. Yeah, I like you said, ninety plus percent could do need to do that. Need to manage manage that expectation. Um, so yeah. finally, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, that that was my final thought. <laughs> that's it. That's <laughs> it. So, what percent of golf is physical, and what percent is mental? Uh, I don't know. I mean. <sighs> The reason I don't know is like we you know, not to get too deep into the woods here. Like there's just so many things about the human brain. We don't know yet. Not that I'm a neuroscientist or anything like that, but I read this book. Um, actually, I guess I do read here and there. I'm not, <laughs> not about golf. It was about running. Um, it was about like, I forgot the name of it, but it was, just, it, it was just a mind blowing explanation of how our minds can limit our bodies. Like, mm we're capable of so much more than we think they are. And they use the topic of like endurance running and um, how the brain can really limit the body. Or if you unlock it the right way, you could give some insane uh, performance gains. So yeah. I don't think we know that for sure. I know that golf is an incredibly mental game for a number of reasons. Um, I don't know if it's 50-50, 70-30 in favor of physical to mental or vice versa. I really don't know. But um, I know that they're deeply intertwined and that if you can't get your head right or at least in a better space, it will impact how your body moves. But, you know, it is a game of skill. Um, you know, I don't teach the golf swing or technique, but it is incredibly important. Um, if you do want to get better at this game, you do have to improve your skill, you know, where you're striking the ball in the club face, managing – the relationship between the path of your club and where the face is pointing at impact, how you strike the ground. Um, there's a number of basic skill fundamentals that need to be met or improved to get better at this game. And that comes through perhaps getting some instruction and putting the right work in. So it is a very physical game, but at the same time, I've seen plenty of golfers who have that physical tool set who don't, score as well as they should because they can't make the right decisions. They can't control their emotions. Um, but overall, I would say that I'd probably lean towards the physical side more. You have a much better chance of becoming a better golfer if you improve your skills. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you could have the best mental game in the world, but, you know, if you can't manage the conditions around impact properly, mm -hmm. Um, you won't improve as a golfer. So I, I think I would probably lean towards it being certainly more physical than mental, but you know, 
not to say that the, the mind is not important. It's incredibly important. So right. hopefully yeah. that's an answer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's an unfair question, but yeah, I, so I just had a swing lesson two days ago and mm-hmm. Robert Linville, who I, I also go to as a swing instructor, he, he said it so well, you can have the best mental game in the world, but if you step up and you, you know that your drive is not going to be good based on your bad physical game. Yeah. You can only commit and trust in your own ability so much to, you know, if you, if you hit a ball and it cuts 50 yards, it's, yeah, it's going to be hard to have a good mental game if your physical no, game yeah. isn't there. Exactly. It is a game of skill and you need to work on increasing that skill. It's similar to like when you talk about strategy and like, you know, we used to say putt for dough and all that stuff. And then Mark Brody kind of turned that upside down with a lot of his research. And, you know, the point of a lot of his book was saying, like, you can be the best putter in the world, but if you can't get it off the tee, you can't score. Right. So, you know, you could, you could one putt from 20 feet, but if that putt is for triple bogey because of a bad tee shot and a poor approach shot, um, there's just parts of the game that you cannot avoid. And one of those is, is, is the skill set required to get that little ball around the course. (laughs) That's right. And it's tough to do that. It's something that needs to be worked on. Um, so yeah, I I often say like, I I always believe taking lessons is is a good idea for a golfer at some point, getting some direction and, and making that that path to improvement more efficient is what it can help you do. That's right. All right. So who do you like for the masters? Uh, Oh, uh, that's a tough one. I mean, I'm interested, not that I'm a big Bryson fan, but I'm interested in seeing what he's going to do there just because it's going to blow people's minds. Um, I don't know. There's so many guys who could win. I mean, the guys who are hot, like, you know, DJ, uh, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, like I, I don't know. I just think pro golf is so there's, you know, 15 to 20 guys now who are so good and maybe five to 10 of those when they're at their best, they can't really be beaten. So, um, I'm going to go with Justin Thomas. That's my pick. Okay. All right. I'm going to go on the record and say Rory. Finally. I hope so. I mean, I I love Rory. (laughs) I've just, it's been hard watching him in majors over the last five years though. I know. Uh, all right. So we're on record now. It can't be changed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Good. All right. We still got a couple months. That's right. True. Well, thank you so much, John. This has been awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mental Golf Show. That was John Sherman. If you'd like to find more about him, I would imagine he would like you to go to practical-golf.com or practical-golf.com. Just some really great resources. I think you'll love it. He also has a really good forum that we didn't talk about during this podcast that is just a really great community. I've already con like gotten in touch with someone here in the Raleigh area that I'm going to play golf with, uh, from that forum. So it's an awesome place of people all across the country, uh, that just kind of all band together around this, the mentality that John has kind of created. So, um, yeah, go check out his website or follow him on Twitter, practical golf, um, yeah, if you'd like more from me, you can follow me on Twitter at Josh Luke Nichols. Yeah, I guess that's it. I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, yeah, if you liked it, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you really, really liked it, give it a review. Or if you really, really hated it, give it a review. I need the feedback either way. All right, well, uh, thank you for listening. Catch you guys in the next one.